Hello, I'm Matt Price and this is Conversations with Criminals and today I speak to Kevin Gleason, who in the 90s was a Royal Marine Commando. He went to military prison and in the first half of the conversation we discuss how he went from being last at cross-country at school to joining the Royal Marines almost unintentionally. He talks about life as a Marine, then he explains why he went AWOL and what he did when he was AWOL and then what happened when he went to military prison. It's a really interesting conversation. I never imagined that it was one that I would have actually because I never considered what a military prison or nowadays it's called a corrective centre would involve. But it's uh, it's he was great company. It's really interesting and I hope you enjoy this. This is Kevin Gleason. Thank you obviously for being here but I, I want to ask you about the Royal Marines. Yeah, okay. Because... How many people have you sort of seen over the years who tried to get into the Marines but can't? Because every, everyone, not everyone, but a lot yeah. of people think they can. Well, this is the thing. I, I think it's, I mean, me personally, I, I was last at cross country at school. You know, I, I did play football. And yeah. um, so I was getting quite fit to, towards the end of it and towards where I thought I was going in. But an old next door neighbor, a friend of mine, he, um, his brother was in the Navy. He went over to the Navy. By the time we were going to Magaluf and all these kind of boys' yeah. holidays, and he came back and he just, he'd just he been everywhere around the world. He's all these amazing places. And I thought, do you know what? I fancy a bit of that. You know, that's a bit of me, that. I never even thought about, you know, how hard it was going to be, what the training was, anything like that. So I went down to the Luton Careers Office to join the Navy. And what you have in the Careers Office, they all sit in the same room. You know, so as soon as someone walks in, they're doing nothing all day basically until someone walks through the door. And when they walk through the door, they try and blag them straight away. So yeah. So the uh, so I went in there. I said oh, I'd like to think about joining the navy. And the marine guy goes, "Come over here first. You know, show me this. Uh, show me this document. This leaflet. It's like a book called the Challenge, and it it just looked amazing. They had all these guys somersaulting over walls and all that kind of stuff." And then there was a pull-up bar in there, stuck up between the doorway. Yeah. And you had to do 10 pull-ups. And then if you could do that, then you were asked back for an interview. So I got there, done 10 pull-ups, come back home, said, Mum, I, th- I think I'm joining the Marines. I was like, what the fuck? Are you kidding me? It's like, no, no, no. I, honestly, I've been down there to join the Navy and I couldn't believe it. And then everyone I told, you know, last across country was that, nah, not going to happen, not going to happen. And, but of course, the more people say that to you, the more you think, ah, actually, yeah, it is going to happen. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, so you you go down there and you, you know, you do the PRC and it's them looking at you as well as you looking at them. So it's a two-way street. Yeah. Do you fancy it? Do you, look, do you like it? Do they like the look at you? And it's one of them things, they gather you all in a room, you know, ten of you and tell you you fouled. Right. And then, uh, then as you're about to walk out the door, they say, "No, I'm only joking. It's you ten minutes oh, past." Really? You know, like... <laughs> the mental side of it is by far the hardest. Like I said, anybody can do the, to can get fit. Yeah. But not everybody can get over the mental toughness of it. And that's. I heard a really good thing the other day. It really made me think. You know, the guy from um, there was an, like an SAS program on, and they they're taking like civilians. Um, into different environments and it's like a commissary and I forget the name SAS soldiers oh thing. I've seen that yes yeah. yeah I know the one you mean and there was a guy on there and he said um, one day he was running along and he was thinking about 
know, thrown himself off the edge of the path just, right. just to get out of it. Wow. You know. Okay. And but 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 something kept him on that path. Yeah. And uh, instead of faking an injury, it because it must cross everyone's minds at one point. You know, there's an easy way out of this. It's, you know, you don't have to do this. Yeah. This is, you know, this is getting beyond me. But but it's that thing that keeps you in. Yeah. That keeps you pushing on. That obviously, not not everybody has got. I suppose. Were you ever, if I may ask you, were you ever afraid? I mean, uh, no, I was never afraid. Funnily enough, like we said, the last at Cross Country, my, me personally, the mental state I found the easiest. I was never really that bothered about, okay. you know, hard times, bad times. I was always like the joker of the group. Oh, and right. I was always, always yeah. cracking jokes and trying to have a laugh and trying to you know people might have been ten times fitter than me but there'd have been times where I, I would have to go over and chuck a one liner in and try and try and make people laugh you know yeah. and, and that and that helped to get you through then presumably that, oh, that helped me get, get through no end yeah yeah. so he had he had a thing called like a, a King's Badgeman he's like the best oh, recruit yeah. of the whole of training yeah. and like on the final X one of the corporals was saying to me you know Gleason he goes you know please give up now he goes I promise I'll I'll have you back in the uh, back in the warm barracks with a hot cup of tea, you know, and hot dinner. And I, I said to him, "There's no way I can give up yet. I won't be able to get, pick up my king's badge." And he was oh, like, cool. "And he said, Gleason, he goes, that is an unbelievable attitude." But yeah, I like it. Let's go. Do they do they try and wind you up then to quit sometimes, or did oh, they yeah, back yeah, in those course, days? Yeah, yeah. Oh, also, it yeah. is like an officer and a gentleman, like you know, and come on, then give up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are they well, serious, or was it just yeah, a well, test? Yeah, well, of course. They, they, they don't. They, they don't want to see you. They want to see you not give up, mm. of course. But if they can see you flag in or something, they're going to encourage you to see what you're like yeah. under certain conditions. Yeah. Okay. You know. So that's the thing. Encouraging you to give up, but really in the back, they they want you to succeed. If you're, if they can see they're capable, you're capable. Yeah. And obviously, the main thing is you could be working with them in a few years. So what they want to see is, can I work with this guy? And yeah. of course, if they don't want to work with him, they're going to really try and make you, you give up, you know? Yeah. Okay. And, and did it change you, what, like, when you came back from your training? Because I've, I've seen people go away and then come back home, just having joined the army, and within 12 weeks, they're different. They carry themselves differently. Yeah, oh, 100%, yeah, yeah. I was different in the, in, in this, in the respect that I had a lot more confidence you know the, the confidence was through the roof so you know you'd get into trouble here and there and stuff like that but we're never ever worried about getting in trouble or, or getting you know you had some, some, some sort of super confidence going on that was when definitely you, unwarranted because you're still only 18 and still a sure. still a kid really but well do you, you say trouble does that mean trouble in civvy street well like, well, well like, like for example we had um, you had uh, unarmed combat training and the, you know the guy who takes you for on combat says like I'm going to teach you a few things here but under no circumstances try this on a, on a 6 foot 5 20 stone bouncer because you're going to get knocked out right okay <laughs> you know, when you're practicing these little manoeuvres on each other you know it's yeah. like uh, so it gives you gives you confidence but and did anyone ever try it out on a 6 foot 5 20 stone bouncer oh, of course they did yeah all the time yeah. you know it was that kind of thing you know but but you know you get lads like like you said when you're in that section 
or that that group of people it is definitely a section of society even though it's a section of society that different to everyone else you know you've got 25 guys you've got 10 guys who, who will go out all the time on the piss yeah you know you've got five guys who will go out fighting all the time you know and you've got 10 guys who might not ever go out you know who cycle to the camp and live on a camp and are really fit yeah. you know so it's kind of like a it's like a cross section not every single person is, is a raging lunatic going out <laughs> on the lash you know but it would seem like that you know but it's only like there's only like I'd say like five people in every troop who are really like the ringleaders and going out and getting into all sorts of trouble and the rest of them are the, will, will be out but they'll be kind of you know normal and hanging back and being a bit more sensible and of course the age comes into it as well yeah you've got to remember as well they're 18, you're all 18 you know 18, 19 and like any 18, 19 year old in a football team or a rugby team or you know you've seen what them guys yeah, get oh, up to isn't it? You know, yeah yeah of course drinking pints of piss and all that kind of stuff well I kind of want to find out some of the things you got up to because I heard that you were based in, in Thailand now that is that is that right? Well, no, no we're never based in time. We had um, we had exercises that were based around there. Okay, but that was um, one of the main places people used to go on holiday. All oh, right, you know, yeah, yeah, because yeah, it was like you know, footloose, fancy free, mad yeah. kind of crazy place, uh, and quite exotic. Obviously, if everyone, yeah. all the eighteen-year-olds in England have only been to Spain and. You know, yeah. France and Norfolk or <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah, it must be. Yeah, so yeah, but we were never based there. But um, obviously, after Vietnam, all the American bases uh, were Philippines. They're based in the Philippines, and a lot of them went over to Thailand. Yeah, and they that's where they had their R and R, and that's where they end up staying buying bars buying streets full of bars and that oh, ended up becoming yeah. and, and the Philippines got a huge um, huge bay and that's where the you know the huge American aircraft carriers come in yeah. so they pull in there they have their chore leave you know yeah. thousand of them descending on you know, <laughs> small Vietnamese villages and uh, you can imagine the mayhem well, yeah. I mean, what, what what were the locals like? Were they used to it? Yeah, of, uh, of course, yeah. Because they, they used to set up their own streets, basically. They, they'd, bought, they'd buy streets. Like, the guys out of, uh, out of the, you know, done, like, three, four tours of Vietnam. They stay there, loved it. You know, bought a couple of bars. Their friends bought a couple of bars. They ended up with, like, a whole street of bars, and people would go out there, and that's kind of... You know, you did. I suppose they were fishing villages at the time now, but now they're like huge, you know, yeah. huge places. But that were, were really dodgy, but now are getting gentrified like everywhere else. Of and, uh, you know, in the country. Yeah. Can uh, Can I ask you, do, dodgy in what way? What dodgy back then? Yeah, do, dodgy back then. Yeah. Oh well, well, it was like you know, it was like any naval port on the planet. What's the first thing you get when they, they go ashore? Women available, yeah. okay. Yeah. Booze readily available, fighting readily available. <laughs> who did you fight with, yeah. or who would the Marines fight with? Oh, like, just everyone. everyone. Yeah. Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Mainly U.S. Marines and 
and you know different units and yeah. different groups of, you know groups of people you know did you shake hands afterwards was it like right we've done that well no I think you know I don't know sometimes that kind of thing went on and but a lot of they had big boxing rings over there so a lot of lads used to get in the ring and fight you know try and fight the locals and oh which uh Sometimes went well, but sometimes didn't. Obviously, they got no, shins like iron bars. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. Did, did, would they take bets on it? Because that's what I've got vi- picturing in my yeah, head. Yeah, you can imagine. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, can imagine that kind of kind of scene. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, in fact, two of my um, civvy mates come out to Thailand, and they um, they got involved in a boxing ring arranged by all of us. It was like there were two boxers. We were out there with one of them was a referee. And he got in the ring with these two civvies. Right. And they had this massive, you know, one-minute rounds, three one-minute rounds. There must have been 400 people there watching it, you know, all stadiums up like that. And uh, I, I had to do his gloves up, my friend. I, my hands were so weak from laughing, crying <laughs> with laughter. I, I, I couldn't actually do his gloves up. You know, I, I couldn't believe he was going to do it for a starters. And then, oh, wow. then I think at the end of it, one of them had a bloody nose, one of them had a black eye, and all the lads thought it was absolutely brilliant. They got a lot of respect after that, yeah. Yeah, I bet they did, but they were going into that very naive, I would have thought. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's the last thing they were expecting when they went out that night, you know, because it, it was all in their shirts and their jeans and their, and their trainers. Right. And Was it being in the company of the Marines that sort of inspired them to do that? Because, you know, like being around these guys yeah. who can clearly take care of themselves and... Yeah, I th- but I, I think I, it's kind of anything for a laugh. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Any, yeah. Anything for a laugh, in the game for a laugh... You know, people do it, don't they? And I want to ask you about about military prison, if yeah. I may, yeah. because can, can you tell me what it's what it's like? I mean, yeah, good fun. Okay. You, so you don't believe this one, yeah? So when I went there, it was um, it was unbelievable because because of the yeah you have three stages in military prison. Okay. You have like one to three months. Where, which is the hardest and it's I think three three to eight months is okay and then anything over that like you've murdered someone or you know right you know some a serious crime yeah then you're in there until you get processed and then you go to um, a civilian a, a normal prison yeah. Yeah, yeah basically but but the shorter you're in there for the worse it is Oh really? Uh, okay. So, yeah. so why, why why did you yeah. have to go there then? Yeah. You were in there for a, for a short time then. Yeah, I was in there for a short time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why, 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 what did you do? So I, I went uh, AWOL. Oh right. Okay. Have some about leave. Yeah. Where where was it that you went AWOL? I went to Spain. Right. Yeah. So so, man. So basically, what happened was during during one of the tours, the last tours, my mum died, passed away, okay. and. The support wasn't really there from from the upper echelons, not from you know the immediate yeah. guys, but the upper echelons were you know not too keen on you going spending leave back at home while you're on operations, even though you know in my mind there was people going <laughs> representing the, the Marines at fishing and stuff like that, and mm. and, and, all, yeah. and all of a sudden you know they didn't have didn't have the room for me to go even though we had a lot of spare men in our troop and even at the time 
the corporal who was with us, he, he was willing to drive me to the to the um, train station and yeah. you know himself get in trouble just just for let, let me go. But in the in the end, one thing led to another, and I, I just I hadn't had enough of the lads or anything like that. I just had enough of you know them not supporting me enough at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I just went went to Spain. Went worked in Spain for two months. And what, what did you do when you were? Oh, Spain, Spain was mad. So it was like, you know, you, you do the handing out of the flyers on the side of the street oh, corners. You did that. I did, did that. that. <laughs> oh, it's unreal. Yeah, but I ended up working for the worst nightclub on the planet, and, right. and I had to stand up outside the best nightclub on the island and get people to the to my place. Yeah, that I was working, but because I was so gobby and loud and you know. People would walk past and I'd, I'd be out to snag them. And then I'd be walking down the road with them, past this real jumping place with loads of people hanging out of it. And be walking down the road and they're like, is it, is it far? Is it far? And I'd say, yeah, it's just around the corner. It's just around the corner. And then we'd get around the corner. It was another like five minute walk down the road. He goes, are you sure about this? It's just around the corner. He goes, yeah, no, no worries. Then I'd get in there and that they would be the only people in there. You can imagine nothing worse than a downstairs nightclub with not one person in it. So uh, I'd get them in there for their free drink and then they'd, of course they'd work out and stuff like that. Were so. you on commission then, like, for, with that? Yeah, commission, yeah. And then and then amazing thing happened. So we, we was outside this bar and have you ever seen the guys on on the street doing the um, three-card trick with the queen in the middle? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, so this is all about, you know, it's, it's a con. And we met this guy from America, or a, a Londoner who'd worked in America. And he said he was looking for three men for his team. Right. So, basically, he, he said to, he, we went to his flat and he said, explain us the game. And it was the, the game was uh, the P under three cups. Right, yeah, yeah. So, what he, we had a language and uh, like these, like these code words. And what he'd do, basically, is he'd get the P under the cup, show you clearly which, which one it was under. Yeah. Then he'd shuffle them around a little bit, really easy, and then he would leave half the P on the cup, so the cup would fall over the P on its own, so you could clearly see which one it was. Right. And then he'd, he'd ask for bets. So we, as part of the crowd, would bet on this one. <laughs> and what he would do then, when we got to, got our money out of our bum bags, we'd switch around 180s to get our monies out of our bum bags. When we do that, he'd switch the cups around. And then we'd give him the money really quick, and everybody said, "No, he's changed it. He's changed it. He's changed it. He's moved it. He's moved it." So then everybody in the crowd would then bet on where he'd moved it to. But as soon as he touched it, he'd moved the pee himself. Right. I so it wasn't yeah. under that one. So everybody would bet on that one. And <laughs> That's crazy. And yeah, so we'd done that for about we'd done that for a month or so, and he was giving us ten percent, which was enough to buy chicken and chips on the beach. You know, it was like it's a real. Mega lifestyle, but quite a good laugh, you know. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, absolutely, and it's quite a way to because obviously it's a terrible thing that your mother's died and you're grieving. Yeah. But what a, what a way to end up. Yeah. Sort of coming over it. And, and did you get up to anything else when you were? And it was, it was so that so then one of my best friends, um, he he went AWOL to come and look for me, but at home I told everybody I was on a certain island, but he, you know, I wasn't on that line because I didn't want to get caught. Right. So he went to that island, AWOL, looking for me. 
yeah. this different island and you know what a bit of camaraderie that is you know i'm just we... about to say that's a hell of a mate that oh, is, isn't oh it? it's unbelievable you know and, and he and he was one of the he was a really good soldier you know he was brilliant um brilliant guy and he you know getting in more trouble than i did really yeah for, for going out there and looking for me but and he found you and what happened when he I found know, you i know he never found me oh, he, went, not, he went oh. to the wrong island oh did he oh, yeah. right. <laughs> That must have been weird then. So he would have got back yeah. home and said, look, I know I went AWOL, but yeah. it was with good intentions. Yeah, I couldn't find him. And I was him. trying to find my mate, and they would probably be going, what yeah. are you on about, mate? Exactly, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so what, so what happened was that, you know, in the end, end of the day, I um, gave myself in and handed myself in. And, and what's that like when, oh, when so you that, go that back? That process was unbelievable. Cause, so I got back to the camp, and there was a... There was like a one of the MPs was, you know, the military police. He was a really good friend of mine, anyway, and he, he wanted to take me down in front of the sergeant major, and he wanted to say that, you know, this is a good lad, and you know, explain the circumstances of it all. And so then I went down there in front of this big ex rugby playing sergeant major, huge guy, you know, and yeah. sat myself in front of him, and he said like, right, why why did you go? And and I said, you know, because. You know, my mum died and I took it really badly and uh, he said, listen, you know, we all go through bad things in life. It's, you know, what you do now from now on that counts, you know. Yeah. And so do you, you still want to be in? And I said, yeah, of course, yeah. And he said, OK, right, go and meet your new sergeant major. I met my new sergeant major and he was fantastic and had a really good, you know, really good chat with him. And we went on from there. And But the troubles were the punishment. It wasn't until a year later that you got punished. Wow, that seems like a long time. Because yeah. one year in marine yeah. life yeah. seems to be, you know, quite a lot well, in civilian terms. I mean, anything can happen in a year. Could well, you exactly, do like yeah. two tours? Or something? I imagine you could well, do that. Time. I mean, you yeah, you could definitely. Well, you get in one tour, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, um, but yeah, so so it took a year to process. So obviously, once that year had processed, I was fully back into it. In you know, yeah. doing doing well in troop and you know getting a well and all of a sudden I had to break that up and go to military prison so that must have been weird so so you get into military prison then and is, is it like civilian prison do you have your own cell do you have a cellmate no it's, it's completely different it's it's, it's it's there as you know like, like I said before the, the first three months are the worst so I was only in there for a month and the first month is the, the worst by far because what they want to do is make sure you never go back there right okay and and it's basically it's not for people who don't want to be in this is the thing because if you do something really bad and you're going to get kicked outside there's no point in putting you because it costs a lot of money you know blah 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 so they'll just kick you out so what they're trying to do in Colchester is that they're punishing you but they want to rehabilitate you back to somewhere where you were before okay and that's why a lot of people when they come out of military prison end up becoming faster track to corporals and sergeants than they were before because it gives a, a refocus on wow that that's amazing how they are it's re- yeah it's pretty good it's really successful but and of course when i went in there so you imagine this last at cross country um when i went in there i was in training you know i was getting picked up all the time for my uniform you know wasn't quite as good as everyone else's. Yeah. And then as soon as I was in Colchester, the first parade, I was I was pulled out of the parade and made to stand in front of everybody and as an example of how everybody should dress. You know, so so that that was the levels. Wow. Okay. You know? 
And then when he started doing PT, I was getting near the record board of the levels, even though at the time I was, I wasn't that fit. You know, I was I was fit, but so once you start seeing that, you know, oh, yeah, I'm I'm actually really much further ahead, you know, in my development than all the guys I'm in, in this. It's like the six of you in a room, basically. Yeah. And I was head and shoulders above all of them at washing, cleaning, ironing, doing this stuff, and the physical, the PT. I was miles ahead of them, you know, it was absolutely miles ahead. Do you become really good mates with those guys who you're in prison with as well? Do you become close, yeah. or is it a different vibe? Yeah, but it's you know, I was close with one guy, and we ended up writing together at the time. That was you know, I don't know what it's like now. It's be emails, wasn't it? And not emails. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, text and WhatsApp and stuff like that. But then it was like you used to get this blue paper and you, you, you know you get free stamps and stuff like that. And so we just write. To, he was in another unit, an army unit. And, uh, I had a good laugh with him actually. And it was. Uh, because it was kind of, the, the, the marine training was so hard in one respect, that being in there, it was like being in training again, but much easier training, if you'd imagine it. You know, okay. like, so so the, the people who were shouting and screaming at you, I wasn't really bothered about them. You yeah. know? And someone gave us a good bit of advice in there, said you, you, need, you can only get a bollocking if you're listening. Right, yeah. okay, that's that's great. <laughs> that's going to be the title of the podcast. Yeah. That, that's a lovely phrase. <laughs> so can you talk me through like what a typical day then of, of being in the in military prison would be? And also I'm wondering as well, I guess, because people, because you're all servicemen, so no one's going to judge you. They're not judging each other, are you, because you're there? No, of course not, no. Yeah. No, no not, not for what we've done, no, of course not, no. But you are kind of weighing each other up because of the different regiments in there. Oh, so, so it's a rivalry then? Yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah. And my rooms are okay, I didn't have any powers in there. But there would have been, that would have been a real rivalry, you know. Yeah. But, um, no, but we actually had a good, good laugh in there, so. So, typical day is, you've got no clocks. There's no clocks whatsoever. So, when the alarm goes off, I think it was alarm, you have to, it's around about five o'clock in the morning, yeah. and you have to, out of bed, with your feet on the floor, and they look through the windows, and if you haven't got your feet on the floor, you get three extra days, you know. Wow. So, you're straight in there to that kind of immediate routine. Then you're up, you clean your room, to an unbelievable standard, you know, and you've got everything, and then you go for breakfast. But when you walk in here, they, they do this ridiculous speed march, you know, like walking so fast that your arms even can't ca catch up with you. One, one of the guys in our room, he used to be able to do it much faster than the actual, you know, move his arms faster. Oh, so right, when okay. they weren't looking, he would move his arms, you know, <laughs> behind them. And, uh, I mean, it, 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 there, were, there were so many people like because they, they were always their, their stick was shouting and screaming you know and like, like I said if you weren't bothered about the shouting and screaming you know you know it's not aimed at you it's just aimed you know it's just they're just doing what they do especially the, the army guys and, and to, be, to be fair a lot of them are quite funny you know with it they've all got that you know like that drill sergeants yeah. um, pattern yeah, you know, can you give me examples of the stuff they would say? I mean, oh, do you know we had a guy, we had a guy next to us, and he, he was quite spotty, and he said, "Fucking you know, okay, so, okay, so how much does it cost you to get in a nightclub? You know, ten pound a head. He goes, it must cost you about hundred quid to get in there." Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. But he, um, but there was there was loads. You know, they'd walk behind you and say, "You know, does that hurt? You know, 
Should you say what? Because I'm standing on your fucking hair. Get that fucking haircut. Oh, all right, okay. That was all like, yeah, all, all that kind of um, but But basically, when they were shouting and screaming, they'd be, he'd be looking at you, screaming and shouting at you. And your mate, or the guy in the bed opposite, was making faces. Right, okay. You know, yeah. so you really, you know, you're gripping the side of your leg, you know, pinching it, so trying not to laugh. And then, of course, when he'd moved on to someone else, then you two would just be eye contact and just, just trying not to laugh, and that was a thing. And I, I hope they realise that sometimes, you know, like, that people are taking the piss out of them behind their backs because they are, they're so over the top with their shouting and screaming it doesn't really mean anything you know do, do they do they want to be there doing that because that's ha, ha. this is the um so some people you have this thing called pinging yeah pinging means all of a sudden you're on camp doing your duty and you get there'll be a post op- opening up somewhere else that people don't want to go to and you'll be pinged to go to it right okay for your turn of duty i mean colchester you had two groups of people. People got pinged to do it who didn't want to be there and right. people who wanted to be there. And the people who wanted to be there generally were, were the horrible people. And the people who didn't really want to be there were just kind of, you know, doing it because... Doing it with purpose, though. You know, oh, cause yeah. Because it, yeah. it, it's a serious thing. Yeah, of course And they're trying to rehabilitate people with the best of their ability. But when you when you got people, you know, screaming and shouting and... But you can look at them and you think, you know, it doesn't, doesn't really mean, it. don't really respect them just because they're shouting and screaming. Yeah, yeah. You know? And I think that's like all walks of life, isn't it? You have to respect someone first to be able to take the bollocky. Yeah. And then once you do, they, then you can take anything they say. Were there ever repeat offenders? I mean, did anybody like going back? Well, no, I think, you know, with, with Colchester, you either went there went back to unit become a better person or you left okay you know and, and what's it like when you go back to, to the unit are the lads are they pleased to see you is it easy yeah. to adjust again of course yeah because like, like I said you're all mates together you know and yeah you know on the, on the way down there the two guys who took me down there we stopped at one of the, the, their mum's house for dinner no not allowed to stop but went in there and had dinner and had a good laugh and, and I remember the guy in particular who took me down there he was a real fighter and he fought at the at the uh, Troxy in East London oh right okay. on an on yeah. MMA thing oh right okay when he was quite old and he, t- he took me down there personally and he went to say to the guy on the counter you know to say something and the guy give him a bollocking you know saying get your fuck who do you think you are you know stand up straight do this do that you're supposed to be this and then as soon as that shouting was over and I'd gone he went in with a guy with a cup of tea and he goes you know I had to do that but he went there and told the guy that I was he told him my situation told him I was a good egg and the guy said listen it's got nothing to worry about in here you know just keep the red down do your stuff and do what you got to do and get out and you know it's only a month it's a pathetic amount of time you know I mean, this is this is this is what I said that that month is there to design for you to never go in there again thank you very much for listening to that I really appreciate it thanks to Kevin for doing the interview with me um, thank you for leaving reviews on iTunes I know it's a bit of a hassle to do it but you know it's always very much appreciated I will be back again I hope you're enjoying this journey as much as I am every episode 
is completely different for me because all my guests are very different and that's what I'm enjoying about this the most. So thank you for supporting the podcast and I will speak to you soon.